This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here, your host for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And I'm here for you. I'm here for your pets. I'm here to, here to talk about anything, actually. Um, but I can't talk to you unless I hear from you. So I'm going to give you a couple of ways to do so. Number one, good old-fashioned way, get us on a, your phone. 877-TOLL-FREE, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also just drop us a note right here to Dr. Jeff, drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And your message will be sent to me as we speak. And finally, I think the best way is to join us here live on Google Hangouts. Here's how you do it. Very simple. You're going to log on to PetLifeRadio.com. Click on that little Shows tab. Scroll down to, I don't know, maybe six or seven to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm in the A's. And then you'll scroll down once you get my page, and you will see a Google Hangouts link. Click on it, and you'll be here live with me. Have your pet with you if you want, if you can. Certainly, if it's a lap dog or cat, of course. And um, we can talk about anything you want to talk about. So uh, again, here for you, here to have some fun, hopefully educate you, uh, help to enhance that relationship you have with your amazing pet or pets. And um, so I want to talk to you. As always, I kind of have a couple of things prepared. So for all of you shy people out there that are afraid to pick up the phone or afraid to go on your computer, or maybe you're driving and you can't stay safe. So uh, anyway, a couple of things. In perusing the news, we have a couple of stories that, that caught my eye. Number one, Delta Airlines now, they're going to be using a software. It's actually developed in Singapore, and it's uh, basically, it is a, a tracking mechanism that you can actually, if you have your dogs or your pets that have to travel in cargo, this is a, an app that you can click on. You can monitor their safety. Customers will be able to get real-time updates on their pets. It's, it's actually pretty cool. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's called CavePod. And uh, it's really a great little device, so you can feel a little bit more secure. I know it's always nerve-wracking, and you have your dogs below. You know, years and years ago, when I was flying back and forth to school from L.A. to to Davis, we had a very, very large Labrador, a 100-pound lab. And uh, he, of course, this was way before you can bring pets that size onto a plane, and we had to keep him in cargo. I was always a bit nervous about it, but um, he did great. Speaking of airlines, Spirit Air now is going to require a form for emotional support animals. So you're going to have to prove that your pets are emotional support animals. So uh, that's something just to uh, keep in mind. And then um, there was one more thing I saw. Oh, this was kind of cute. Alaska Airlines. Everyone's jumping on this thing. All the airlines are trying to do something. Here's a good one. Alaska Airlines is going now going to accept miniature horses as service animals. So if you have a miniature horse, it better be miniature. <laughs> Or else you could have a lot of interesting other passengers on the plane, especially if he's not well. I wouldn't say house trained. I'd say plane trained. But uh, not everything about a miniature horse is miniature if you get my drift. But anyway, you still can't use peacocks or monkeys or pigs, but you can use a miniature horse as a service animal. However, for emotional support animals, this is a distinction there. It can still only be dogs and cats. And again, you have to provide documentation. So that's pretty good. So if you have a miniature horse, he could be your service animal. You got to train him well. San Angelo, Texas. 
Uh, parvo outbreak. So parvo is still out there. Don't think that just because your dog is an adult that he or she is safe from parvovirus. So I still recommend maintaining, keeping up to date on the parvo vaccines, or in my opinion, better yet, do the parvo titer testing to make sure that they, your pets are protected. And of course, if not, or if their titer test is low, then you want to go ahead and make sure you update the vaccination. Here's also pretty good news. It's a new drug for canine pancreatitis. Believe it or not, um, it's coming from Japan. Uh, it's already has the it's a, the approval in Japan, so it's going to be used in Japan. And where our clinical trials here in the U.S. are starting in May, so that's great. Pancreatitis could be a killer. I that, that big dog I just told you about that I would fly back and forth on my hundred pound lab. He ultimately died of pancreatitis. I mean, he was an old guy, but he was the classic. If you looked up uh, for definition, garbage can hound, or we call a you know just a garbage hound. Um, it would have a picture of of my Thor. He was literally a garbage dog. But anyway, so it's great news to have something that we can use just to add to our many treatment options when it comes to pancreatitis. Pancreatitis, by the way, it's very common in dogs. And how? It's because they get a hold of too much fatty foods. That's why a lot of things we talk about, nuts, and like macadamia nuts and avocados. It's not that the, that the food itself has a toxin necessarily. It's their very high fat content. And we got to be very careful when it comes to dogs and fat because that's what predisposes them to pancreatitis. This is, this is pretty good. This is a, a, certainly a big plus in the microchip world. A dog missing for five years was returned to its owners thanks to a microchip. At the time it was she was found, she was now 17. She was lost when she was 12. A 17-year-old dachshund, now partially deaf and blind, she was found roaming in a parking lot. Animal control picked her up brought her into the shelter, and sure enough, was microchipped, and they were able to get a hold of the owners. I don't know any of the details about how far the dog must have traveled, but can you imagine? You have a law, a little dog. So you're thinking, okay, I, you don't hear a thing. This dog was either attacked. In our area, we think coyotes, a car accident, something happened to this poor dog. And after, after all these years, you're saying, you know what? The memories are there, 12-year-old dog. You know, we, we did have her for a good part of her life, et cetera. All of a sudden, you get a call. Five years later, 17 years old, and they found your dog, that's pretty good. This is also good for those of us that hate this stuff, but a breeder was charged with felony cruelty, this is in Pennsylvania, for cropping her puppy's ears. He was breeding miniature schnauzers, cropping the ears on her own, does not have, obviously not a veterinarian, so she doesn't have a veterinary license, did not use anesthesia, and they really got her, which is great. Uh, and by the way, AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, opposes ear cropping solely for cosmetic purposes. So, um, you know, those, like many of those things, that's why you're seeing now the boxers and the Great Danes and all these dogs that typically, and, and the giant schnauzers, all these dogs that used to have these cropped ears are now really acute with their floppy ears. So uh, also eating acorns from oak trees, just so you know, they're not benign. They can cause GI gastrointestinal obstructions. And interestingly, there is a toxin in acorns that actually can cause kidney failure in dogs. They're called tannins. So acorns are high in tannins, and that can cause vomiting, diarrhea, anorexia, and with all that combination, dehydration, kidney problems, etc. So just something to keep in mind that if you see your dog likes to you know, hang out, chill out, and pick up acorns, that definitely uh, can be an issue. If there's anything else like other, other toxins and things that you are concerned about your pets or how it works? I mean, unfortunately, because of, of media, many of these things are over, overblown. 
and things that really are important, you, you just don't hear enough about, right? Example, everybody thinks, oh my God, chocolate. I get these people that are calling me on an emergency line because their dog ate a Hershey's Kiss. I mean, really? No. Now, milk chocolate probably is, is not as dangerous. The most dangerous of all, interestingly, we used to say, and it still is, by the way, don't get me wrong, is like Baker's chocolate, pure chocolate. But even worse is 100% pure cocoa powder. Like if you buy the cocoa powder, like for baking, that stuff is pure chocolate. And that probably has the most toxic potential. Uh, of course, then it goes to the, the dark, pure Baker's chocolates. And then you go to the semi-sweet chocolates. And then finally to the milk chocolates and finally white chocolate. White chocolate is, is really not chocolate. So it's pretty benign. But you know there are ways you should go online. You can, you can print out, actually, there's a chart where you can just plug in your dog's weight. And then it will tell you how much of each of those different types of chocolate the dog would need to eat to start having to dangerous toxic signs. I say sometimes the best thing is that they'll vomit and then that they, they throw it all up, which is great. But but there's more subtle toxins. You know, we talked about sago palm. These mushrooms we talked about last week that are growing all over the place, those potentially are deadly toxic. Xylitol, the active ingredient of sugar-free gums and mints and th things like that. Uh, even sugar-free peanut butter is now putting xylitol in. How many of us will use a little spoonful of peanut butter? Peanut butter by itself is okay. I mean, you don't want to eat gobs of it, but have a little teaspoon to help down, help the medication go down. It's fine, but not with xylitol. So you got to start looking into things that you have not probably heard of that could be pretty dangerous for our pets. One of the things I wanted to talk about, because we're seeing as our weather is changing, we have to be prepared to keep our dog and probably not be exercising as much outdoors of autumn before it gets really cold. I've heard that in some parts of the country, they're already seeing some frosts. But while you still have the time, it's a great time now. In fact, it's sometimes better because you don't have the same precautions that you have when it's the middle of summer, where we talk about you can't exercise them after, say, 8 in the morning. It's, it's really hot in the country. Even you know during the day, you don't want to go hiking at all. Now is a great time to get out and exercise your pets. And take advantage of, as I said, it's the cooler weather. There are less restrictions. Uh, it's, it's better for you. It's cooler for them. And, it, you know, when you think about that, what typically happens during the winter, winter, and I'm talking middle of the country, up in north uh, winter where it's, it's below freezing, you're not going to go out there as much as you would like and as much as we probably should to get, our, get us out there and get our dogs out there. So it's a great time to do it now. And knowing that we always joke about that when the same thing happens in dogs, it happens in people. And we, I always talk about in springtime, and that is putting on that extra winter weight. And the reason it happens is because instead of going outside to do that jog or get on the bike, you're saying, ah, no, it's okay. I think I'll stay home today. So when you stay inside, obviously your pets are staying inside. You don't want to leave them outside in freezing cold weather all day. So the, in general, the potential to put on the pounds often increases this time of year and as we get into winter. So uh, to, to take advantage of the great fall weather, I mean, I'm here today in LA, the sun is out, but it's a mild some of you might hate me, 75 degrees, but you know it's not like 95, and it never reaches that point where it's really, really dangerous for dogs. So good to get out, some play with some things, go play fetch. Actually, speaking of fetch, October 20th is called National Fetch Day, and so you might want to take advantage and uh, just get out there with your pets and have a good time. Uh, I know it's sponsored by Petmates. Chuck it. Um, I'm actually going to be doing. A, I'll be in New York doing a media tour on Friday the 12th. So that's a, a uh, just take advantage of it. We want to get out there, exercise, 
feed your pets right, positive reward, all the things that you want to do to get your pets to want to be outside as much as you can during the day. So anyway, when we come back, I want to talk about a symptom that is, you know, it's, it's one of the symptoms that I'm sure that when you've taken your pets into the veterinarian and they're going to ask you about, you know, is appetite okay? Um, no, yes, yes or no. Any vomiting, diarrhea, any things like that, of course. But one of the things that they're always going to ask, and I'm gonna, we're going to go through a list of why this is such an often asked question. Is he drinking more water than normally? Uh, we call it PUPD because what happens? What happens when your dogs drink too much? Then they usually pee too much. And that's certainly something that is not as uh, joyful for you as it is for them. So um, anyway, PUPD, we're going to come back in just a few minutes and we're going to talk about PUPD, what causes it, how many, it's unbelievable how many different conditions can be causing PUPD, why it becomes such an important trait that we look for, a behavior, um, a symptom of many, one of many diseases that we think about when trying to evaluate your pet's health. So don't go away. We'll be right back after these short messages. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Kitty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> 
And welcome back. We're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber uh, here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the best Dr. Jeff. And before the break, we talked about PUPD, PUPD, polyuria polydipsia. Actually, it really, it sounds better PUPD, but it should be PDPU because it's polydipsia. You got to drink first before you start urinating. Um, but it can go both ways because there's some conditions we'll talk about where you end up urinating more and then you get thirsty, the dog gets thirsty, and then they have to drink a lot more. So it is one of the more common symptoms that we talk about when, especially senior dogs, is approaching middle you know, to older age. And we're talking about symptomology, what it is they're doing, how they're behaving, how they're eating, you know, urinating, defecating, okay, et cetera. And we ask about, are they drinking a lot more water than normally? And the reason for this is many. So a number of pretty, you know, I wouldn't say they're common, but in, you know, typically when you're talking in medical terms, a double negative doesn't always fit. So for example, usually if one would say, not uncommon, that would mean it's common. And yet in medicine, it does not mean that. It means that it is just not that uncommon. It does happen. It's not common yet, but it's not uncommon. Uncommon usually means it's rare. And this is something that's not rare. So let's talk about you know some of the basic things. When dogs start having, or cats as well, start having kidney problems, their kidneys stop functioning. The kidney acts like it's a filter. And it reads, one of the things it does is it reads the body's hydration status and it will try to maintain it very, via what we call urine-specific gravity, meaning if you are very thirsty, you just finished running a marathon or just running, period, doing a lot of exercise for a couple of hours, typically, as you know, your urine is going to be very, very sort of pungent, very concentrated, very yellow. So if you were to drink a lot of water at that point, the kidneys will read the need to preserve much of the fluid that you just took in, that you ingested via drinking. And then it's going to try to balance out the urine-specific gravity. So the higher the specific gravity, that means the higher the concentration. The lower means the more dilute the urine. So for most of us guys know you go out and you're partying a little much and having a couple of beers. Before you know it, your urine's coming out. It's pure water. So that's because we have excess. The kidneys read that when they're functioning properly and they're doing their job. So the what we call isosceneric range, that's the range that would be tap water is 1.008, we call 10.8, to 1.012 to 10.12. That's your normal range. So if you are above because you're very thirsty, because you're dehydrated, and a cat, for example, the normal urine can be up to 10.45, 0.45. In a dog, it's usually 10.30, 10.35. Cats typically uh, concentrate the urine more than a dog. Now, if you are overly have took way too much fluid in, like that night with the boys, and you're drinking a lot of beer. Your urine specific gravity might be ten five because it, the body, the, the a healthy kidney, could say, you know, we are going to actually get rid of even more liquid than is that isosceneric range. So when we see typically, regardless of hydration or the like, one of the more dangerous things. I'm sure you've seen your veterinarian tent up the skin on the back of the neck, uh, lift up the lips, and and feel this how sticky the gums are. That's assessing hydration. So if you have an animal that's dehydrated, then you would therefore expect the urine-specific gravity to be on the high side, 1025, 1030, 1035, 1050, 1060. Then you know the animal that that's working. Kidneys, you can just tell they're trying to preserve as much of the fluid in the body as they can. So therefore, what comes out in the bladder via the urine is very concentrated. Now, what happens with kidney disease, one of the first indicators of kidney problems is that you see an animal presented to the veterinarian. You take your dog or cat in. The doctor says very dehydrated, but when they pull the urine, what is it? 10.8 to 10.12. That means the kidneys 
uh, basically everything that's coming in is coming out. They're not properly addressing the body's need to retain as much fluid as they can. So they're no longer doing their job. That's one of the first things we see in kidney disease. We see very, very normal, I call isostin or urine in that 10, 8 to 10, 12 range, despite the pet's hydration status. So then, of course, the blood test will indicate, you know, high BUN, clearly seen with dehydration, high creatinine, high phosphorus. And that's sort of one of the ways we start thinking about kidney disease and kidney failure. Likewise, dogs with cystitis, bladder infections could also be drinking a lot more water than normally. Why? Because the body is trying to dilute out the infection going on in the bladder by taking in more water. So the body is doing its job telling the, the telling you that or your pet that they need to drink more water than normally. So uh, so kidney bladder issues will cause definitely can cause what we call PUPD. How about some disease states? Well, there are a couple that we think about. Number one is Cushing's disease. Cushing's disease is an over secretion of the adrenal gland, either via the adrenal gland itself, we call that Cushing's disease, or via signaling from the brain's pituitary gland telling the adrenals that they should secrete more of their adrenal, their hormone. And that is called Cushing's syndrome. And treated uh, pretty much the same, though, if we, if we know we have an adrenal tumor, a functional adrenal tumor, sometimes surgery is the best option. Uh, you're not going to start going and doing brain tumors uh, in the pituitary gland uh, for your pets. So Cushing's disease, because of the increased secretion of the hormone, the adrenal's hormones, cortisols, a um, couple of things we see. First of all, it's as if the body is getting too much steroid. And one of the signals that we see is excessive drinking. For example, if your dog, one of the side effects, if your dog is on prednisone or prednisolone, your cat on prednisolone, we know that they start drinking a lot of water. That's because the over-secretion of cortisol from the adrenal gland. So when the body is doing it to itself, again, cortisol rises, cortisol levels rise, and the body is always thirsty. The, the dogs are drinking like crazy because that's one of the side effects of high cortisol levels. So with Cushing's disease, one of the, again, one of the, we're going to look for other things. We're going to look at the alkaline phosphatase level in the blood. We're going to look at uh, the kidney itself. Is the kidney functioning properly? If it is, then obviously we're not worried about the kidneys in this case. So we're looking for another cause. And Cushing's is one. Addison's disease, kind of the opposite of Cushing's, but interestingly can also present with what we call PUPD. Addison's is a hyposecretion of the adrenal gland. They're not getting enough signal or putting up enough cortisol. Uh, and so we have these animals now that are very low cortisol. They often drink a lot and urinate a lot, but they also are at risk of certain diseases because one of the things they can't handle is stress. One of the factors in our bodies that help us deal with stress is cortisol. So when we are stressed, cortisol levels rise. And when, if the body can't respond to that stress, then it takes a more of a major effect on us. So Addison's disease, um, episodic weakness, sometimes muscle loss, we call ADR. These, these animals present just not doing well. There's just, it's like an overall malaise and sometimes drinking a lot of water. We suspect there's something we look at called the sodium potassium ratio. So on our basic blood test, everything else, all the organs might be totally fine, but we see a very low sodium potassium ratio and that might indicate Addison's, and that's a disease that we have to actually, again, just like Cushing's, do some further testing. All we get when we do basic blood work is sort of like the clues. There may be something going on here. We see a high alkaline phosphatase. You know, alkaline phosphatase, a liver enzyme, can be elevated for other reasons as well. So it just doesn't mean, oh my God, we have high alkaline phosphatase. It's got to be Cushing's. No, no, no. It is just a screener that says, okay, Cushing's is on the list. Let's go ahead and let's take it to the next level. And that's going to be some more testing, possibly an ultrasound, looking at the adrenal glands, et cetera, 
And that kind of gives us an idea. Typically, we're going to do our the various tests first, low-dose dexamethasone suppression test, sometimes the old-fashioned ACTH, adrenocorticotropic hormone test. Those are done as well. We, most of us now like the low-dose dexamethasone to actually make our diagnosis of Cushing's. And the ACTH is a better way to actually make a diagnosis of Addison's. So it's still, they're both still used. And uh, we use the ACTH to monitor our treatment success when dealing with a confirmed Cushing's. Now, two other diseases that we see, again, I know you've heard of them because one, it's very, very more, it's much more common in people, and that is diabetes. And diabetes, there are two types of diabetes we talk about. There's diabetes mellitus, that's the sugar diabetes, the insulin-related diabetes. And then we have diabetes insipidus, and that's the ADH, it's the antidiuretic hormone, that's more of a brain, also pituitary gland issue, where there's a, an interconnection between what the body is telling the kidneys to do and how the kidneys are responding. And if there's antidiuretic hormone not available, the brain is not, the kidneys aren't getting the signal. The kidneys are working perfectly well, but they're not getting the signal to say, okay, guys, the body is really, really dehydrated. Save as much you know, hydration, as much water as you can, and only urinate the excess. And the body's, the kidneys aren't getting that signal. So what do they do? Everything that comes in, comes out. And um, therefore, these animals are very dehydrated, and that's called diabetes insipidus. So, but let's talk about mellitus for a second. Diabetes mellitus, as in people, in dogs is 99%, 99.9% type 1, regardless of the age at which they are afflicted. So at any age where a dog it is insulin-dependent diabetes, which is the equivalent of juvenile diabetes in people. Cats, on the other hand, when they are diagnosed with diabetes, it's typically type 2 diabetes which is like adult onset diabetes in people, again, associated with obesity. Well, obesity can play a major role, though you can also diagnose diabetes in a cat that's not obese. And treated a bit differently, of course, with carrying diabetes, insulin, and one of the telltale signs of diabetes because of the high sugar is PUPD. But when you do a urinalysis test on a dog, right, that has diabetes mellitus, not only, or, or even a cat, you're not only going to see high blood sugar, but one of the clues is you're going to see sugar in the urine. And it's typically what we call a urine threshold. And that is that if you have high blood sugar to a point, uh, usually it's over 250 mg to deciliter, that means um, of sugar in the blood, then it's going to now spill over into the bladder, into the urine. And so if you're going to see a dog with, you know, say high blood sugar in the three, four, five hundreds, and you do a urinalysis, you see plus three uh, urine, uh, blood sugar in the urine, glucose in the urine. That's a pretty good sign that you're dealing with a diabetic. Sometimes you'll also see something called ketones. Now, ketones is a little more of a dangerous thing because that means it's going on for a long time and it's very high and that can lead to some other problems. So um, ketones, in addition to high urine sugar is potentially a danger. Just keep that in mind. So the bottom line is here. Oh, one thing to add to the list. You oftentimes will get puppies with that are PUPD. And we're saying, it's a puppy. It doesn't have diabetes. It doesn't have, you know, kidney failure yet. And you're right. It probably doesn't. So in pups or in dogs that are very anxious, we see something called psychogenic polydipsia, meaning they just like to drink. And therefore, since everything is working perfectly, what happens in a healthy animal that overdrinks? Again, talk to the guys that go out and have the beers. You just end up urinating a whole lot. It's usually very dilute urine. And uh, so for that, you want to work with your veterinarian, but we need to put your puppies on a water drinking schedule. 
Uh, you don't want to obviously take water all the way because they still need water. So we put them on a schedule where they're not over drinking. We control their water intake during the day based on their weight activity level. Your doctor can help figure out how much water the dog needs on a daily basis and split it up and don't let them drink at will. Keep them away from the swimming pool. Keep them away from the toilet bowls because these puppies, they'll just drink. And guess who gets to clean up the mess? So uh, anyway, when it comes to symptoms, it's very important to check them out. If you do notice your dog or cat spending more time than normally at the water bowl or looking up to you, every time you walk by the bowl, it's empty. Definitely, definitely, you want to act on it. You got to see your veterinarian, take care. They'll check out things like the Cushing's, like the Addison's, like the diabetes mellitus, like diabetes insipidus, and um, also kidney problems or bladder problems. So I hope you learned something this morning. And uh, if you have any questions or if there's any other disease that you want to hear more about, you just don't understand, you get a diagnosis, uh, you're not really clear on, on how it happened, why it happened, what do you do now? And I know that many diseases have a lot of different treatment options and you kind of want to help uh, another brain helping him make the decision. Please feel free to get a hold of me here at Pet Life Radio. We can talk about it on our show. If you want to join us on the show live, you can have your pet with you and we can talk a lot more about this and help you better understand what's going on with your pets. So have a great week, everybody. I will be here next week, a quick trip to New York on Thursday and Friday, back back in town Friday here in LA, and uh, we'll be with you on Sunday. So uh, again, love to hear from you. You can always get a hold of me at drjeff at petliferadio.com. Join my Instagram at Dr. Jeff Werber. If nothing else, I can promise you a, a lot of really cute pets, some great pictures, some video. And uh, anyway, once again, at Dr. Jeff Werber, would love to hear from you and uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, otherwise, have a wonderful week. Take care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.